Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. Davis steps under center. Gibson and McClendon behind it. Davis with motion by Richard. Will get the ball to McClendon. He leaps. Oh, he doesn't get in. He fumbled the football. Carolina holds. The game is over. And Carolina has won the game. Finley to throw. Over the middle. Intercepted. Wolfuck again. Wolfuck the other way. At the 30. The 40. Wolfuck to midfield. Miles Wolfuck with the pick. The heels on the doorstep of an enormous victory. Left side of the line. Hood standing to Williams' is right. Williams going to throw. One-on-one. Davis has it. Touchdown. Carolina wins. Carolina is the Coastal Division champion. Bernard fields it at the 26. Heading to the far side. Gio at the 35. Gio, he's at the 50. No, he's not. Yes, he is. Gio, he's going to take it for a touchdown. Are you kidding me? Connor Barth for the possible win. Snap, spot, kick away, high enough, long enough. It's good! It's good! Carolina has won the game on a 42-yard field goal by freshman Connor Burr. Good gosh, dirty. This is the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. We'll get the ball to McClendon. He leaps. Oh, he doesn't get in. He fumbled the football. Carolina holds. The game is over. And Carolina has won the game. With five seconds, he's going to throw it. Howard leaps. He has it. Touchdown. Carolina back from the dead to tie the game with two seconds to go. There is a flag down. But holy smokes. Two and four in overtime games. Carolina one and three here from under center. Give off to Greg Little. Little pulls away. Little is going to score. Carolina wins. Snap back, spot down. The kick is cleanly away. It is good. And it's <laughs> with yes, a sir. 54-yard field goal. And how about them Tar Heels? They do it. Possible win. Snap. Spot. Kick away. High enough. Long enough. It's good! It's good! Carolina has won the game on a 42-yard field goal by freshman Hunter In his end zone. The punt. Very high. Switzer will have room to return it. He fields it at the 40. Coming near side. Switzer at the 50. Switzer, 45, cuts back at the 40, 35, breaks a tackle at the 30, still on his feet. No, he's not. Yes, he is. Ryan Switzer for six. 
is doing his best Giovanni Bernard impression. Ryan Switzer again. Bernard fields it at the 26. Heading to the far side. Gio at the 35. Gio, he's at the 50. No, he's not. Yes, he is. Gio, he's going to take it for a touchdown. Are you kidding me? What's going on, guys? It's Anthony Pagnotta, Josh Marlowe. Back here with you on the Heel Tough Blog Podcast, another live edition of the podcast here on Facebook, on YouTube, and on Twitter. Also, of course, for the people that are checking us out afterwards, we appreciate you too on the podcast side of things. And uh, back to recap another wild game against the App State Mountaineers. Mac Brown met with the media earlier today to talk about the Board of trustees meeting that took place right after his press conference. We'll tell you what came out of that. Not a whole lot, but you know, something that uh, was definitely significant and was probably expected uh, from most Tar Heel fans after what the uh, program went through here in the past week with one of their players. Uh, you also have some injury updates uh, as well as a kickoff time for the game against Pittsburgh uh, I'll just uh, let you in on a little secret. It is a little bit of a later kickoff. I know that's absolutely shocking whenever the Tar Heels play the Pitt Panthers. Uh, it always seems like they have a late kick. So we'll tell you all about that here on this edition of the show. But we have to start by talking, as I said, about another nail-biter against the App State Mountaineers. And this one goes the way of the Tar Heels in the rubber match. Three games that were about as close as you could ask for uh, if you're somebody outside of either one of these two fan bases. I think you know we heard a lot of this today. Um, we heard a lot of it over the weekend from people that do not have a dog in the fight that basically said we need to see more of these games. That It's an unbelievable brand of football. I do think both fan bases could probably use a little bit of time away from each other uh, after just two, uh, you know, two unbelievable games the last two years. And even if you go back to the 2019 game, uh, which didn't work out for Carolina, I mean, in the three games between the two sides uh, since 2019, the average points per game, 45 for Carolina, 43 for App State, average yards per game, 521 for Carolina, 509 for App State. So not much defense really on either side, but for the Tar Heels, they eat this one out in double overtime. It's the first double or it's the first overtime victory, excuse me, of the second Mac Brown stint in Chapel Hill. The team was 0-4 entering uh, those games uh, or entering in those types of scenarios. Uh, and uh, the Carolina just found a way uh, to pull out the victory. This is uh, the third time uh, in, in those three matchups that the Tar Heels uh, have, th that the game has come down to a defensive play uh, in the last 10 seconds of the game. You have, you have the missed field goal uh, in the game back in 2019 from Noah Ruggles. You have the defensive play on the two-point conversion last year uh, up there in App State where Carolina got the victory. And then you have this one, uh, that came down to the defensive play by Elijah Huzzy at the end. Um, and so I, I think, you know, one of the things that we know for sure when these two teams may, uh, match up, 
it's going to be an insane one, to say the least. And we saw that yet again on Saturday afternoon in Keenan State. Yeah, and I think it was um, unexpected um, because we knew App State, not the team they were a year ago, uh, starting a JUCO uh, transfer at quarterback. Carolina coming off maybe their best defensive performance against a Power 5 opponent since Mac Brown returned five years ago. Um, looking to build off all that success from last week against the Gamecocks. And it wasn't there to be had. Um, and I, I think we all kind of knew by the middle portion of the second quarter or so, um, if Carolina was going to win the game, they're going to have to outscore App State. Um, and look, you know, in theory, you say, well, the team that, that wins has to score more points. But, you know, I, I thought going into the game, 24-28 would have got it done. Um, I had Carolina winning 38-17. So I thought anything in the 20s would have been enough for, for them to come out victorious. Um, and that wasn't the case. It took all of us – it took all of a week um, for us to rethink and reimagine all the questions we had about this team uh, defensively entering the year um, because that same defensive uh, effort that we saw against South Carolina with you know, nine sacks, 16 tackles for loss, that same effort, that same production, uh, it, it did not carry over into the home opener. And that's why Carolina found themselves uh, on the verge of upset alert at home against another inferior opponent. Yeah, I, I mean, it's it, – it, their app state at this point is just a weird one for Carolina and really just for Power 5 teams in general. I mean, Mac Brown said it today in his press conference – it's the last seven teams, I believe, that they have played. They have uh, the game has been within a touchdown. So no matter who they face, no matter where they go, it always seems like those are the games that they uh, get up for. I mean, look at last year. I, I mean, I, they were not a good team a year ago. Their two best games that they played might have been against their uh, against the two Power Five opponents: the win at Texas A and M, and then the loss to Carolina. So. I mean, look, I don't think it's the end of the world that Carolina struggled in this game. What would have been the end of the world if, is if you would have lost this game. That would have been a massive step back. And honestly, you probably have to sit there and say to yourself, did this team just give back everything that they gave back a week ago? Or, or that they took a week ago? Um, I don't think they did that the way that they struggled the other day. I don't think that's the case because you did get out of there with a win. You still ran the ball really, really well. Um, I just think, you know, you, you saw, first of all, you saw a team that definitely watched the film of what South Carolina was able to do to them in the passing game. Uh, I thought one of the things that App State did a lot better than South Carolina did, and it really makes you wonder why South Carolina didn't do this more, uh, is they got the ball out a lot quicker than yep. Spencer Rattler and, and the Gamecocks did. That was a that, that was their goal early. You got a quarterback that's in, you know, a road environment for the first time. Let's make things easy on him early on. But the problem was Carolina never adjusted to that. You saw it a little bit late in the game. I thought, you know, especially once they got to overtime, you saw them be more aggressive with their coverages. But before that, you you did not see that. And look, Mac Brown pointed it out in the post game. This is the one thing that you have to come to understand about Mac Brown if you don't already understand it is that He's going to let his coaches do their thing. But, you know, at some point, 
And I guess this was the breaking point for him. He said in today's press conference, we got to be more aggressive with our coverages. That The thing is, is, is Gene Shizik going to listen to him and do it? I mean, at this point, I think it's got to be, you know, what we saw and or at least what we heard Mac Brown say in the postgame the other night uh, that he said to Chip Lindsey about, hey, we got to have a discussion as to whether or not we're going to use that Ram package, the, the wild, basically the Wildcat formation that the Tar Heels used, uh, uh, you know, once or twice in the first game. They used it twice the other night, and it wasn't successful. We'll talk a little bit more about that when we talk about the offense. But I think with Gene Chizik, you, you just have to have the conversation with him and say, look, you know, the other night, I know our defensive line wasn't great. I don't think they were terrible. I mean, they going back and looking at it, they still – you know, got pressure on 31% of the dropbacks that App State had, which the fact that that, that they did that, even with how quickly App State was releasing the ball, um, is is better than I would have thought. Um, but you got to help you got to help your defensive line out a little bit if if you're giving guys five six yards of cushion, even more than that at sometimes for Carolina. Uh, the other night, it's going to be way too easy for them to get the ball out quickly and pick up those chunks of yards that they need to move the football on. Yeah, I mean, I think the thing that was the biggest issue with them defensively, it wasn't the lack of pressure. It was the way that they were getting pressure. Uh, it was very evident. they their, their, their technique wasn't as sharp as it was against South Carolina because they were getting too far up the field, letting Aguilar just basically kind of feel the pressure, step up in the pocket, and then be able to make the throws, whereas against South Carolina, the way that they were able to, to, to really f- pressure Spencer Rattler was he, they followed him back into the middle of the defense. And it don't matter what quarterback you know, you're know you doing that to, whether it's mm-hmm. Rattler, Joey Aguilar, or, or Tom Brady. They're going to they're gonna get sacked. They're going to make errant throws. They're, they're going to make mistakes just because no quarterback ever uh, is, is effective in a muddy pocket. Um, and so that was the biggest thing that I took away from the defense was that they were still getting the pressure. And this is just shows you just how really how thin a margin the air is for Carolina defensively. Like for some defenses, that type of stuff doesn't kill them because they've got other dudes or across their defense where they got the, the, the speed, the talent to make up for it. As, as much as Carolina's improved defensively talent wise, they're still not there. Um, they still need to be darn near perfect to really put together the performance we saw against South Carolina uh, two weeks ago. Um, and, and so I, I thought that was the biggest thing. Once that got corrected and once they were doing the right things technique-wise, you saw them, you know, force more errant throws. The, the defense was able to hold up in its coverages um, and, and be able to make the plays that they needed to make in the passing game. And so, um, look, there, there's no denying that that Saturday – it, it, it felt like a step back. And in a lot of ways, it almost felt like you gave up a lot of what you did against South Carolina because of the yards, the points you gave up to a group of five school. But on the flip side, what they can look at is and say, you know, when we have to make winning plays, we were able to make them. Um, and that was what that defense, you know, it's what it did the first 10 games a year ago um, when Carolina started nine and one. Um, and even in, you, know, you look at the two losses when they lost at home to Georgia Tech and NC State, it wasn't on the defense's fault because Carolina's offense just was a shell of itself. And so, you know, in, in a game where they struggled to get stops, they struggled to get, all, to get off blocks and stop the run game, when they had to make winning plays in that second half, 
they were able to make them. And so um, while it was an incomplete performance for the defense, there was still something that they left that game saying we can build off of this moving forward. Yeah, I think the more concerning thing, really, you know, we talk a lot about what they did in terms of the passing game. And when you allow 275 more yards through the air to a guy that, you know, again, he he performed really well. And he, here's the thing. Maybe that's – maybe this should have been the starter all along for, for App State. Maybe it shouldn't have been Ryan Berger in that first game all along. Because I'm going to tell you, he threw four touchdowns in that second half against Gardner-Webb. And he looked pretty good the other day as well. Yeah. Um, but you know, that that's still a guy that you felt like coming in. Okay. Carolina should be able to have some success in big part of the reason why Carolina struggled defensively in this game though, was you allow 219 rushing yards. I, and, and look, I knew that you, you weren't going to be what you were last week. You allowed negative two rushing yards. Big part of that was the amount of sacks that you allowed, but you allowed 19 yards rushing to, to carry on Joyner. On 13 carries. Nate Noel, really good running back. Hurt you last year. Hurt you again in this one. Um, I, I just, to me, that's the area that I'm more concerned with because I thought that an offensive line that was all right the prior week against Gardner Webb, uh, they pushed you around at, yep. at certain points during this game. You, you got worked, um, especially off that left side. So, I mean, I that that's the thing that scares me the most about what you saw from this defense. That's one thing that Mac Brown has talked so much about is that we have to be better at stopping the run. And I think it's because he knows that you're going to give up passing yards because of the way that Gene Chizik likes to play with, you know, the Tampa two style that that is, you know, so zone heavy. I, I think that's you know, for Carolina, especially with a team in Minnesota coming up who's going to run the ball a ton, Pittsburgh who's going to run the ball a ton, you have to be able to be better against the run than you were in this game because the way that you played in this one simply wasn't good enough. Yeah, no, I mean, that's that's going to be the thing, you know. Um, you're, you're, if you're going to face run-heavy teams moving forward with, you know, Minnesota Big Ten school that, that still kind of plays a – a spread version of three yards and a cloud of dust. You know, Pittsburgh doesn't have the quarterback play that they've had in, in recent years with Kenny Pickett's and the like. And the bigger issue is that, and you saw this on Saturday, you're, you're really seeing the new clock really become a factor. And the one thing App State did, um, and they would have done this even without the new clock rules, you're going to try to shorten the game to keep 10 God on the sidelines. Um, and, you know, South Carolina, while that maybe wasn't necessarily their game plan, because I think they felt pretty comfortable that Spencer Rattler could could match Drake May throw for throw, and statistically he did because he was 30 of 39. Absolutely. Well, they also going, just couldn't run the ball because their offensive line was 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 terrible. Yeah, I mean, like, I mean, App State knew, like, we knew going into the game, App State was going to try to shorten the game by two to three possessions. Um, and before the game went to overtime, you could say they effectively had done so. And so that's going to be the thing for Carolina is that, you know, not, not stopping the run is, is, is a problem in and of itself because you want to go from good to great. I ain't never seen a great team in my life not be able to stop the run. But on the – you know, it, 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 it impacts the game more than that because that clock doesn't stop. And when we, we, we saw, you know, the other day where even if it results in a 40-something yard drive and, you're, and you, you still force a punt, the amount of time that, the, that, that gets eaten off the clock is substantial. 
you're talking four to five, six minutes, kind of like what you see in the NFL where you see maybe eight to ten possessions in a typical NFL game. That's where the college game is at if you're facing a team that can run the ball and run the ball effectively. And so Mm -hmm. uh, I'm not going to say it's necessarily back to the drawing board um, for Carolina, but there needs to be – I'm not going to say some harsh discussions, but there needs to be some good coaching this week. Because, you know, a guy like Heyman Rucker that got National Defensive Player of the Week honors the week before was non-existent and didn't have the same impact as you would have thought he would have had uh, in this game. I, I think, you know, as much as any guy that I look at on that defensive line, it, it's it's taken, what, four years? It feels like Des Evans has either found the right role or just has the right motivation because I thought he was oh, as he impactful great. as anybody uh, up front defensively against App State on Saturday. And, uh, you know, if, if you care like get the whole group to play together at a, at a nice rate with him, Rucker, you know, Gainer, whoever's on the field at the same time, you're still confident this room is good enough to be the type of defensive front you need that defense to be. Yeah, well, you, you, the, the guy that stood out to me out of the whole defense, I, I thought the other night was Des Evans. I thought he played fantastic. Um, especially getting after the quarterback. And look, you said, you know, Cayman Rucker struggled and and, and wasn't really nearly as impactful. I mean, he still had nine quarterback pressures in the game. I didn't think he was nearly as effective against the run as he was in the first game. Uh, But I thought for the most part, you know, he was still a guy that played good. I thought the, the, the problem that they had that they didn't have in the first game, I thought the interior of the defensive line got pushed around a lot. Yeah. Um, and that was the part that I was concerned about because, and I, I mean, look, App State, the, the areas that they struggled in the first game were with their two tackles, two young guys, two sophomores. Um, it looked like, you know, Des Evans, you know, had a pretty successful night. Cayman Rucker was was pretty good. I, I, I mean, I, I guess maybe we shouldn't have been all that shocked. But the other thing is, is guys, these are still Sunbelt offensive linemen that you're getting pushed around by. You're going to face better offensive linemen later in the year that you're going to need your interior offense or your interior defensive linemen to be able to win one-on-one against. And that's the frustrating part. If you're Carolina, you're hoping that, hey, maybe, you know, this this sort of wakes those guys back up just a little bit. And look, it's not the end of the world. This isn't the first time they've allowed this many rushing yards on the ground. They've been here before. Uh, but yeah, you, you've got to be a lot better here, especially, I mean, look, I, I know Pittsburgh is a team that's going to want to run the ball first. There's no doubt about that. The team you face this week, that is the only way they are going to be able to move the ball offensively. They do not have a passing game. They, they didn't throw the ball nearly at all in the game they played this weekend because they could just run the ball all over Eastern Michigan. And we saw the game against Nebraska, uh, We and, and it was very obvious to us that that was a team that does not have their next quarterback after Tanner Morgan right now. Um, he may get there. That's a guy that they really like. But as of right now, that's not a guy that should be tearing up your secondary and leading them to victories. So I, I think – you know, Carolina's they they have to sort of try to figure out what went so right in that game against South Carolina. Try to you know get get re-energized. I think another part of it def- defensively, by the way, is I think this group was feeling themselves a little bit. I think it's safe to say that, and I think that they came out and thought this was going to be an easy game against the team that you know was 
horrible in the first half against Gardner-Webb, turned it on in the second half. But still, I think in their minds, they thought, okay, this is a team that struggled against an FCS team. We just beat an SEC team that many people thought we were going to lose to, or at least our side of the ball was going to get uh, destroyed by. And I think that, you know, that we, we, you know, Mac Brown talked about it. He said, how would this group handle the, you know, reading the, the press clippings and all the hype? Well, I think defensively you got your answer. They struggled a little bit with that. So now it's about putting that behind them and taking that next step. Now on the offensive side of the ball, there were, some things to be pretty excited about. And it really started with the run game. And this is amazing to think this. Look, in the first game, or uh, in, in the first game, Carolina, you know, ran the ball pretty well. They ran it uh, specifically well with a guy in British Brooks, the graduate, um, you know, who looked like, okay, he's got a grasp on the starting running back role. Marion Hampton will be the guy that will rotate in. Well, about – 15 minutes before game time, British Brooks finds out, or we find out that British Brooks is doubtful for the game and will not play. Um, Carolina, this is now two weeks in a row that they've done it to us where uh, they have had guys that did not appear on the injury report earlier in the week. They must have gotten banged up during the week. Um, and, you know, two key members of the offense now in consecutive weeks that did not play. The difference is this time around, the running back room stepped up around them. 319 rushing yards in this game, the most since the 2021 win over Wake Forest. Marion Hampton, outstanding, 24 carries, 234 yards, three touchdowns. That's the most rushing yards by a running back since Michael Corker against Miami in 2020. Uh, it is also the most rushing yards in a home opener in program history. Uh, Drake May, 11 carries, 57 yards. Most importantly, the game-winning touchdown. And this is the seventh time since 2019 that the Tar Heels have gone over 300 yards and five touchdowns in a game. That is the most in the FBS during that time. So the running game, simply phenomenal in this game uh, for Carolina. And uh, I don't think, you know, while, while I think some people are a little bit shocked because you didn't have British Brooks, I don't think anybody is stunned because you've got a guy in Amari and Hampton that I think we all thought maybe not this type of performance was possible, but uh, I think people expect some big things happen. Yeah, I mean, look, I think here's the thing when it comes to that running back room. I mean, I think it speaks to the talent and the depth that Mac Brown and company have stockpiled in that position group because, I mean, Hampton was the headliner, but Caleb Hood had a nice rushing performance as well. You're talking about, you know, Elijah Green just not really being featured in this running back room, a guy that, you know, I think we all had pretty big and uh, high hopes for going into 23. And, um, you know, I, I say this candidly, Omarion Hampton needs to be this team starting running back. I know British Brooks has – if there's a guy that's earned the right, I mean, he's definitely earned it because he's battled so much crap off the field. that The fact that he hasn't quit is remarkable, and he's a leader and he, he's persevered. But he's not, he's, not, he's not as gifted. He's not as dominant as Omarion Hampton can be. Omarion Hampton was the best player on the football field Saturday in the field that Drake May was on. And that's not to say that Drake May was bad because Drake May wasn't bad. Drake May did what he is being asked to do in this offense. And we're going to talk about that here in just a second. Mm -hmm. But Hampton was the best player. I mean, in the first quarter, he was finishing runs for six yards. 
And let's not act like, you know, he was running, you know, between the parted Red Sea. I mean, he was having to run through dudes and he was running through tackles. And there was a level of physicality that simply uh, about called them Ohio State, simply that App State could not match. And, and, and by the middle of the second quarter, they didn't want to match it. They wanted no part of tackling that dude. And so, you know, we saw him last year have big games and big moments. Um, you know, this was another big game in, in, in a moment in time where Carolina needed him to be because, you know, this is – what you saw on Saturday is Chip Lindsey's offense. That's what this offense is going to be, guys. Like this, and look, Mac Brown. At this point, as much as we might want to think Phil Longo wanted to move on, I think Mac Brown wanted to move on from Phil Longo because there was just this 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 unwillingness to run the football. I said this in our instant re- in, our, in our instant analysis after the game on Saturday, which are becoming a really big hit. I don't know if it's because you just like hearing me with no voice talk about a game that we just watched. I don't know what it is, but I, I think I think the popularity factor has to do with us trying to squeeze our two fat asses in one frame <laughs> on that phone. That might be it. Um, and look, may, like maybe maybe you disagree with this, but I and I, and I believe this, and this is a guy that loved Phil Longo and defended him to many Tar Heel fans. Um, Carolina loses that game if he was the offensive coordinator because. As everybody in the stadium fell in the middle of the second quarter, you, you're going to have to score. It, it, I don't know if I thought it was going to take 40. I thought they at least got to get to 31. Well, here's the problem. He wouldn't have waited to go get it. He would have been like, right there, we got to go get three touchdowns on this one drive, which is mathematically impossible. But that's what he did his entire career as Carolina's OC. That dude chased points like I chased loose women at a bar. I mean, it was just nonstop. And so <laughs> I got you with that one. Um, you, you know, it was just something where mm. Chip Lindsay's willingness to stay patient and, and stay with the running game. When the whole stadium was yelling at him to throw the ball. I mean, the whole stadium was baffled at the fact that we're getting six yards a pop. But because we got the second best quarterback in the country, they want to see him throw the damn thing. No, run it. Because they couldn't mm. stop it. And, and so – um, I, I don't know if we ever got this stat confirmed, but Hampton had the most carries in a game by a Tar Heel back since uh, I think it was Giovanni Bernard. I had seen that stat floated out there. I don't know if it got confirmed or not. Gerard, Gerard Hardy, uh, Gerard Hardy, Gerard Hardy, um, <laughs> who used to work for uh, for Tar Heel Illustrated, was the one that tweeted that out. And I mean, yeah, I, I don't know if it ever got confirmed or denied, but you're talking about a running back room that over the last decade. Since Bernard has seen Elijah Hood, um, T.J. Logan, who had a brief stint in the NFL, and then Javante Williams and Michael Carter, two dudes in the NFL, like as, as, as far as we know, they didn't touch the ball 25 times or more. Well, Hampton got 26, and I think that tells you a lot of what uh, Chip Lindsey and that offense feels about him moving forward. Yeah, well, I mean, he got his opportunity, and we saw this from him at times last year. The name of the game with him is very simple. He's just got to be more consistent because that was the issue that he ran into last year. He had a great start to the year. You'll remember two of his first three games that he played as a Toriel, he ran for over 100 yards. But as the year went along, you saw him start to drop off a little bit, especially once some of the other guys started getting into the fray, the injuries started happening. So, I mean, I'll be interested to see. I don't think he's going anywhere. I I will say that. I think that 
the fact that he can pass protect the way that he can, that we've heard from Mac Brown, um, he's going to be in there. Um, and I, and the thing is, is like you said, well, no offense to British Brooks, you know, if, if he's not the starter, here's the thing, just because he's not the starter doesn't mean he doesn't play like guys, this is, this is modern football. You do not run one back 45 times. Like it just doesn't happen. You use multiple backs. You saw it in this game. You saw Caleb Hood come in. Um, speaking of Elijah Green, you saw him early in the game. He got a carry. Um, so this is this is something that you know Carolina can can manufacture carries for a guy like British Brooks that they really like that's been productive when he's been out there. But at the same time, yeah, I mean, if Amarian Hampton is going to give this to you, then there's no way you can't have this dude on the field. And you're talking about a guy now through two games of the season that has five rushing touchdowns. Mm-hmm. So he's got to be on the field in some capacity. All the dude does is score. So, yeah, I, I think you, you it was sort of a coming out party for him. But at the same time, I think we all knew that this is this is what this guy is capable of. And, man, if, if he can find that consistency that he didn't have last year, this could be one of the best running backs in this conference. And, I, I mean, I'm with you. Let's get into that conversation that everybody else wants to have. Man, the passing game wasn't great in this game. Again, uh, Drake May, I don't think Drake May was bad. I think Drake May played pretty damn well because I don't remember a play where I said to myself, man, that was a bad throw by Drake. I thought just about every throw that he made was the right throw. I thought every one of them was catchable. Um, And I think there were moments, I mean, he would have had a touchdown early in the game if Kamari Morales doesn't drop the pass on the first drive of the game. Um, and I, I thought there were other opportunities. But, I mean, look, this this passing game, outside of Kobe Pesor, the other night, this passing game lacked any sort of consistent threat that uh, really just anybody that could create separation. J.J. Jones, five catches, 91 yards. And, look, you're not going to take any of that away from him. Big plays are big plays. 57 of those yards came on one reception. And you look at the rest of the group that was out there, pass catching wise, talking about the rest of the receivers and the tight ends. You didn't have a single, and the running backs, you didn't have a single guy that had more than 13 receiving yards in the game. So, I mean, Gavin Blackwell, four catches, 13 yards. Carolina was trying to get the ball out quickly. And, you know, I don't know if part of that was they didn't trust this offensive line to pass protect. I didn't feel like there was a ton of pressure on Drake. I know he took two sacks in this game after none in the first game, but I didn't feel like that unit was horrendous. I, I just, I did this, this passing game. They need other guys to emerge besides Kobe Pesor. They just, they need guys that can create separation because right now it is not there. And if you can't create separation, you're not going to be able to throw the football. And if, I mean, it, it, you're not going to force it. I don't care who, how good your quarterback is. We're trying to win games. If running the football is going to win you games, then you shouldn't be complaining about the play call. So here, here's the thing. The reason why the passing game has been what it's been, which has been, I guess, underwhelming, I guess is a good word to use with the, the quarterback that you have. You could tell they they they're not adjusting well to life without Tez Walker, and they probably spent too much time preparing as if he was going to be on the field, which to some degree I get because you were 
you put your trust and your faith in the NCAA to make the right decision. But on the flip side, you, you, you know, putting your trust and faith in the NCAA is like putting your trust and faith in the devil. It's not going to work out for you in the end. The difference is Mac Brown, because this isn't the same staff, they've learned from 2021. Because instead of putting everything on Drake May to figure it out, they're they're running the football because they have a different avenue. In 2000, look, I'm saying the Carolina had the same running game in 21, but they put, okay, Sam, you're a, project, a, a projected top 10 pick. You're a dark horse to win the Heisman Trophy. You were at the time the best quarterback in program history. Um, go figure it out. No, 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 no. That's why they failed him, and that's why that season was a disaster and another failure. Well, Carolina's got kind of the same issues that wide receiver that that team had, where your best receiver was a slot receiver, Josh Downs, i.e. Kobe Pesor. Um, But they have a different way of moving the football up and down the field, and that's by running it. And here's the thing, and maybe you disagree, I felt like whenever Carolina needed to throw the ball Saturday, they could throw the ball. Because when they went to go to win the game in regulation, they threw the ball to get – and Drake had a run and everything like that. But, like, there were two to three times in the game they needed to make a throw. And guess what? Because Drake is who he is, he made that throw. And you got the passing yards that you needed to, to get. We've said all, all offseason, this offense isn't going to be as explosive. But you want it to be more efficient, more effective. You've scored 71 points in two games. You've racked up over 900 yards through two games. You're, you're, you're moving the ball with relatively ease the first two games without having to always force the issue and push the ball down the field. And so it's different, but this is a good different because this is the way Carolina needs to play. And this is the way I think Mac Brown wanted to play when he hired Phil Longo. And I think that's why there was just, they got to that point where it didn't work because Mac Brown would say over and over again, we need to run the ball. I want to run the ball, but for some reason we aren't doing it. We know why. Um, and that's why he's in Madison. And that's why he lost to Washington state over the weekend. Chip Lindsay, this dude's probably auditioning to make sure he doesn't get fired again, get out of coaching. He's going to do what he's told. And right now he's being told to run the ball until it doesn't work. In the first two weeks, it's worked more often than not. Yeah, and I mean, I, I just like you said, this isn't, you know, an explosive offense. And and I get what you're saying, but at the same time. Like, it's not as explosive. I mean, look, you're still you're still scoring. You're still walking up and down the field. You're yeah, but it, looks, it, but, but it is a, it is explosive. It's different. It's the running game that has been explosive. You had explosive running plays in the first game against South Carolina with British Brooks. The other day, your explosive plays came on the ground with Omari and Hampton. And I mean, you could say, I guess, the game-winning touchdown uh, for Drake May. Like, those are there. And I don't understand why people – I get it, man. I, I get really wanting the best for Drake May. But isn't the best for Drake May – and isn't his best chance to win a Heisman being a guy that wins games? Like, what's the what is the most important stat when it comes to being in the race for the Heisman Trophy? It's wins and losses. I don't care what anybody says. If you and it shows by you know every preseason poll that is put up or, or all the betting lines that are in Vegas, 
on the Heisman Trophy. Who's on there every single year? Georgia quarterback, Ohio State quarterback, Alabama quarterback. If, if there are battles, you saw it this year. All those schools that I just mentioned all had quarterback battles going on. And they had multiple names that were put in the categories because they do the, if you're a quarterback on a winning team, you have a chance to win a Heisman. For Christ's sake, J.J. McCarthy's up there. And let's be real honest with ourselves. If you've watched Michigan at all, you know that J.J. McCarthy is not the team, not the reason that Michigan is where they're at. It's that running game. So that's that's the most important thing, guys, is in order for Drake May to have a chance to win a Heisman Trophy, he he's going to have to win a lot of games. And right now his passing game, the group that he has out there, is not doing the things that they need to to be able to move the football consistently. You're 100% right what you said earlier. If Phil Longo calls this game, they don't win this game. Honestly, they probably lose this game by double digits because he would have immediately turned this, especially in the second half, this would have turned into an air raid game. And I mean, look, he had moments where he was willing to run the football. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe this would have been like that game that I referenced earlier against Wake Forest where Carolina ran the heck out of the football because that was what was working. Maybe it would be like the game against Virginia that they had earlier in that year where they ran the heck out of the football. But this, this is – I feel like you've got to give it to Chip Lindsey in this respect. He has done a good job of reacting to what's going on. You want a coach that makes adjustments. And I thought, look, there were times that Phil Longo made adjustments. There were also times that Phil Longo panicked in games where, oh, we got to score – Complete, let's just, we're not even worried about the running game. We have to score every drive, so we're just throwing the football over and over again. And I don't think you've seen that from Chip Lindsey. I think the first game of the year, you know, Mac Brown did, you know, was not thrilled with how the play calling was late in the game. But I think the reason that you saw Chip Lindsey adjust and go conservative and lean on the run game late uh, in the game against South Carolina was because they started turning the football over. I thought in this game you saw, hey, he realized early on our passing game right now, you don't have guys creating separation outside of Pesor, uh, so you need to start finding other ways to move the football down the field, and the running game is the best way to do that with Amari and Hampton because of how successful he was. Also, you know, th this passing game, it's going to progress as the season goes along because, as you mentioned, Tez Walker was in there. They believe that they would have them for a pretty good amount of time. Um, now they know, hey, you're not going to have them this year. I mean, look, I know people are probably getting their hopes up with the Board of Trustees meeting. Guys, even if they end up getting a lawyer and going to court, this isn't going to get resolved by the, at, at any point during this season. It's going to take until after the year. Um, and it's probably going to be to maybe get him an extra year of eligibility, get him this year that he's going to end up missing back. Something like that. Carolina's got to adjust now moving forward. Um, and look, guys that are out there playing right now, J.J. Jones, Gavin Blackwell, they got to step up and be more consistent at creating the separation. And then you need some of the younger guys to, uh, you know, sort of start to break out a little bit. Andre Green Jr., you got to see him start to do a little bit more. You got to see guys like Kobe Pesor. Uh, Kobe Pacer, Chris Culliver, and uh, and and Christian Hamilton. You got to see them grow up quickly. 
and become more involved. And then the other thing that Carolina will have at their disposal that they did not have in this game uh, eventually will be John Copenhaver. I thought him being out of the lineup, uh, you know, in terms of, of being a pass catching threat was huge the other day. I thought, you know, he was still in there, still effective as a run blocker, played 21 snaps, but it was very obvious that when he was in the game, Carolina was running the football. They weren't going to put him out there to try to catch uh, with, with just one hand. So not having him after the offseason that he had, the the uh, the relationship that he had developed with Drake May, and what we saw from him in that first game with one of the biggest catches of the night – Definitely hurt. And then the tight end unit outside of him was horrible the other night. I mean, they had they were targeted four times. They had one reception the entire night, and that was Bryson Nesbitt for nine yards. That was it. The unit didn't do anything outside of that. So I, I think, you know, in order for them to start passing the football more, you're going to need – to have a lot of confidence in this wide receiving court. Right now, I, I don't see that. You're going to need to see them be able to move the ball more consistently early in the game through the air, or else you got to stick with the ground game. And, and I don't think that's something that Mac Brown is angry about, that Chip Lindsey is angry about. And the fact that Toriel fans are actually mad about that really just shows you that their priorities are not in the right spots. Guys, the priority for this team should be to win football games. That's what Drake May wants. That's what Mac Brown wants. That's what Chip Lindsey wants. That's what everybody should want. If you're just worried about trying to get Drake May into the Heisman race and put up gaudy stats, but this team wins six, seven games, then I don't really know what to tell you because I think to a certain extent, you mentioned 2021. Did they not try to do that a little bit with Sam Howe? It really felt like they tried to do that at times. And – Honestly, it probably worked to the detriment of Sam because not only did he not come close to winning a Heisman because the team didn't win enough, um, in a lot of people's minds, it hurt his draft stock. And he had, I mean, there, there are people that said he had a terrible year. Now, those people are morons. They didn't watch that year at all, clearly. Um, and if they did, they need to learn how to evaluate tape. But I, I think it definitely hurt him in the end and was part of the reason why he dropped. So, I mean, look, maybe maybe some of these people are thinking, hey, you know, whether he's hurting Drake. Like, here's the other thing, by the way. Um, if, if this is going to be an offense that runs the ball a ton and Drake May doesn't have the greatest season, if that means Drake May comes back next year, is anybody hating that? Like, I would sign up for that in a heartbeat. So, um yeah, I, I just that that mindset to me. We talked about it a little bit the other night when we saw people talking about that. I just I, I don't understand that. Um, one of the things that was concerning as well, getting back to or or you know sticking with some of the negatives, uh, was the special teams unit the other night. Now I, I thought you know the kicking game was kind of weird because I thought early in the game Ryan Co hits two big field goals that really helped Carolina out. Um, including one from 47 yards. And you think to yourself, okay, we got something here. They get late in the game, 39-yarder to win the game. Mac Brown said it. We lined it up perfectly. And not only did he miss the one that actually counted, I'm pretty sure from the seat that I was in, he missed the initial one as well. He did. If he didn't, it was a wobbly one. This is, you know – 
this is part of an issue that has just plagued Carolina for so long. And, I mean, Mac Brown said today, look, it's an open competition throughout the entire season. And while some people may say, hey, that's a good thing, that you're holding guys accountable or whatever, we should not be at this point again this year. You went out into the transfer portal and got Co. And I think for now you got to stick with him because you went out there and got him. You put some belief in this guy. But – we, we got to pray this is not going to be another issue like this again this year because we saw last year it cost him so many games. Yeah, I mean, look, the the first two ones that he made, like, yeah, you're not they're not lying that they weren't important kicks, but they weren't pressure kicks. Um, the last kick was pressure, and um, you, you know, as much as we want to, it, it just all around like it wasn't it wasn't good and. Um, you know, he missed the, he missed the first one. Um, and it, it, it didn't, uh, give him a chance to, you know, and usually whenever you miss the first one, you kind of flush it, you line back up and you drill the second one. That didn't happen. Um, you know, as <laughs> you think we would have noticed this because we were in the stadium. I didn't even notice it. My dad said that the, the whole time after he missed it, he had his hands on his knees looking down at the ground, but he wasn't even confident he was going to bounce back from it. And, and, and redeem himself. And that's something that's got to get fixed. Um, there's got to be a mental toughness to him because you're going to miss kicks. That's just like they're, they're college kickers. There's a reason why we tweet that out every Saturday because the, these dudes are going to miss some kicks. And a lot of times they're going to miss some kicks pretty badly. Um, and But to, as much as I thought like that was an issue, that's not the biggest issue with the special teams unit. Um, if we're not, if, if, if I don't get the point in running out people to return the ball, if we're not going to return the ball, because there were like six favorable kickoff returns where you would have gotten plus 25 yardage or better. So you would have had better field position if you just fair caught it. And I know Mac Brown said, we got to do what we'll, we'll look at that this week. Why do you have to wait till after the game? Why is that not an in-game adjustment? I mean, there were times they were putting the ball at what, maybe the 17, 18-yard line, and we're not returning that? Like there was one that was fielded at the 19 and that that Caleb Hood chose not to return. And yeah, like if, if you can't get 10 to 12 yardage, then you don't need to be you don't need to be on the special teams unit. And like, you know, you're well, yeah, thinking- and, and here's the thing that, that's amazing is that, that that is a different guy from the week ago when they had DJ Jones back there in that spot returning punts or returning kicks. I mean, look, they got to find another dynamic guy, I guess, because the game plan clearly from South Carolina and App State was do not kick it anywhere near George Petaway. And I don't blame him because he was phenomenal at the end of last year. But one, I think you got to get more creative about trying to get the ball in his hands. And two – you better find another guy back there that's pretty damn dynamic with the football in his hands because so far DJ Jones, who handled those unit th- those uh, duties a year ago, at times back there and wasn't great at it. He didn't look great in the first game with it, although he didn't really have the opportunities that Caleb Hood did in this game. And Caleb Hood, now Caleb Hood can't be that guy. And look, I mean. It's not, it shouldn't be that shocking. Caleb Hood, this was never what he did. He was a quarterback in high school. So, yeah, I mean, he's he's not going to be the most well-versed returner. I think he did it a little bit last year for Carolina, and he wasn't really that effective with it either. So, 
yeah, they got to find that other guy. To me, and I mean, I know they used him a little bit. I, I think he was at one time vying for uh, the punt return job. I, I Maybe he factored in a little bit on kick returns. I mean, Doc Chapman's a guy that has a lot of speed coming out of high school. I know he returned the ball as well um, when he was at the high school level. That's the other thing. You got so many dudes that you can put out there that returned the football when they were in high school. Like they were the best player. They were the best offensive player on their high school team. So throw them out there and let's see what they got. That, that That's that's definitely something that Carolina has got to look at this week because, yeah, you can't have teams popping the ball up at the 18, 19 yard line and you're fair catching every time. And here's the thing. It would be one thing if the coverage unit from the team on the other side was just doing that. Well, I don't, I don't know about you. I did not think App State's coverage team really did a great job of running down there on some of them. I thought they, and, and part of it was probably they knew that he, he wasn't a threat, but I thought there were a couple of times where they were, they were kind of, they were kind of half button it down there. And Caleb Hood was still fair catching. And I'll I'll say this. There was one late in the game, and he got booed on one of them, where I don't know, and and maybe it was his fault. Maybe he got a late break on the ball. There was one where he did have to slide and catch the ball. He he can't do anything. once. This is college. Once you put the knee down on the ground, the play is over. He slid and caught the ball, and he had to because if he doesn't and that ball stays in bounds, they recover it, then we're on here – punching screens and throwing stuff like we don't want that so I mean it's it's just all around special teams you know I thought last year they took a step in the right direction especially late in the year in terms of the return game but it didn't line up with the kicking game I thought the kicking game was good early in the year but the return game wasn't good my thing is can we get these things can, can we get these elements to play well at the same time? Because it just hasn't worked right now for the special teams unit here over these last couple of years. I mean, look, I'm not saying that I'm I'm concerned. I, I feel like it's kind of where I'm at with the defense. Like, I don't feel like I'm at the point of complete panic with the units. But at the same time, it's like, oh, gosh, we're, we're dealing with some of the similar issues that we've seen in the past. And we got to get them corrected quickly. Yeah. Um, you know, I think the thing is, is that, you know, special teams, you know, you mentioned how much they played a role in what happened at the end of the year last year. You want to win the type of games you want to win this year. There's going to be a game or two where special teams is going to play a role, whether it's your first road test at Pittsburgh whether it's when Miami comes to town and Miami just got a big win at home over Texas A&M and that offense looks explosive. Oh yeah. Um, You is back apparently according to you. So, you know, Clemson looks as vulnerable as they've looked since really the Taj Boyd days when, um, under Dabo Sweeney, that's a road game. You would imagine if you want to go there and, compete let alone win the game special teams are going to play a role you know they always play a role in in the rivalry games and so I mean I said it leading up to it man like teams that are playing meaningful football in November they're not bad on special teams um it's it's a reason why it's a three-phase game look at the Alabamas the Clemsons the Ohio States the Michigans they're good in those areas um because you got to be because if you're not you're getting exposed uh, luckily, Carolina somewhat got exposed the other day with, you know, not being able to make a big kick, indecisive in the return game, but you escaped it. 
but that's against App State. So you got to learn from this. You got to correct those mistakes. That way, the next time you're in a situation where you need your special teams to make a play, you're going to be good enough and competent that that play is going to be made, and you can you can find a way to win a game. And so, um, it, it's it's just it's just another reminder that it's only week two, um, and as much as as much a pressure as there on this team to to win um, because of the quarterback that you got. There's still some part of you as a fan where you should enjoy this team um, improving. And your hope is, is that what you saw on Saturday wasn't their best effort, that they'll be better this Saturday and many Saturdays to come. Well, yeah. I mean, I said it with the defense. I said it with the special teams. You're hoping that it's somewhere in between the two performances that you saw. Um, Because I thought, you know, those two elements of the game, you were really good against South Carolina um, I don't think you were as good the other night. So you're hoping, okay, it's it's somewhere in the middle. Um, I thought offensively against South Carolina, you weren't really great. Um, I don't think they were they were bad uh, against South Carolina, but I thought the other day you were probably a little bit better. I know Mac Brown pointed to the red zone, wasn't happy about the fact that they were six for eight down there, uh, and that was you know one of the things. But I, looking back, I, I didn't really feel like that was the area that hurt them. They of course missed the field goal uh, late in the game. Although I don't know, did they get inside the red zone on that? Probably not. So I don't. I'm trying to think what were the other two red zone. The the first drive of the game clearly, which was just an an asinine play call that we should never see again. Like I, I get it. Maybe with British Brooks in there, it's different. Mac Brown said today in the presser that he he that it wasn't blocked right. I, I just you got you got the best quarterback, if not the best, the second best quarterback in college football. Keep the ball in his hands, especially when it's fourth and one or shorter. I, I mean, for the love of God, I know you don't want your quarterback taking hits, but did you see him on the two-point conversion play? This dude thinks that he can jump over an entire defense, but we can't run a quarterback sneak play with him. I think, guys, I think he'll be okay with running that. So I think that's something that Carolina has to get ironed out. That was my only real frustration with Chip Lindsey the entire night. But, yeah, I think, you know, and like I said earlier, I, I really do think part of this is the App State effect on both Carolina and I think just from App State's program in general. I think App State gets up to play these types of games. Um, one thing that I think Carolina's got to be better at, I thought this was somewhat reminiscent of some of the games that we've seen under Mac Brown where the team just came out sluggish. They did not look great out of the gate. Um, but, you know, the other part of that is what what does this look like if Carolina scores on on that first drive? What happens if they don't end up running that Ram package and they pick up the first down on fourth down, which was the right play call, by the way. They, they should have gone for it on fourth down. That wasn't the issue there. It was the fact that they ran the play that they did. I didn't have a problem with them being aggressive there. Um, but if they score on that drive, if they come out and do, if they don't run the ramp package on the second drive where they were across midfield as well, and they come out and and uh, and score there, who knows what the game honestly looks like? But I thought just overall, especially defensively, you know, they came out a little bit sluggish. They let App State sort of settle in, which is what we talked about in you know th- when we were giving our keys to the game. Um, and, and one other area real quick that I forgot to mention defensively, but we got to talk about it here right at the end. 
Um, third down defense was terrible. That's the other area. You talk about the biggest concerns with this defense. Uh, run defense was was not great. Um, that may be the more concerning thing. You had you allowed eight total conversions on third down. Six of them were third or seven, uh, third and seven or longer. Just can't happen. Like yeah. you had so many opportunities to get off the field, and you didn't. Part of it was because your coverage was not great on the outside. You gave way too much cushion. There were times. Look, you're going to play off of a guy. Can you at least play the damn sticks? Why are we giving guys first downs? That makes no sense to me. Yeah, you don't want to get beat over the top, but if it's third down, I would like to not give up the first down as well. That would be much appreciated. Um, and, you know, fourth down, two of three. The only time they stopped them on fourth down, final play of the game. Great job by Elijah Huzzy. I thought he made two good plays late in the game in coverage. I think you're seeing why, you know, Carolina really liked him and why they want to use him more uh, at the corner position, as opposed to putting him and sticking him in the nickel at that star position. So, I, I mean, there's there's things. See, that's the thing. Even with some of the negatives that I just talked about there, you're seeing some positive. It's it's just, I think the other night was frustrating because you were really hoping that the team that we saw in Charlotte was going to be this team the entire year. And I think we're seeing that, hey, going from good to great, like they were talking about, if you're a great team, you win that game. I don't know. Even if you don't cover, you win that game by by two scores. Um, right now, I just I don't know if Carolina – they're not a great team at this point. But you know what? That's, that's okay as long as you continue to progress towards getting there. Nobody's going to remember this game later in the year if you start to take care of some of those opponents that you got later on in your schedule that you should beat by double digits – and if you take care of business like you were asking them to do last year when they simply weren't able to do that. If they do that later in the year, nobody's going to remember this game against App State like that. They'll say, hey, that was App State. That's what App State does. A couple closing notes on the way out for you guys. Uh, the Board of Trustees meeting, as we told you earlier today, uh, was to discuss the options for Tez Walker. Mac Brown addressed that in his press conference, basically said, uh, you know, a part of it is that their meeting just – trying to find out what's best for him uh, in terms of, you know, moving forward. I don't know if that means next year. Uh, I don't know if that means currently what they're able to do with them this year. Uh, he talked a little bit about, you know, the situation uh, with Tez Walker. And one of the things that I don't think, you know, we really knew a whole lot about or talked about enough, even if we did know about it, uh, is the fact that it wasn't the NCAA that has to break the news to Tez Walker that he's not going to play, which is downright pathetic. Uh, if you're the ones that are going to come down with the ruling, then you should have the nuts to actually call him up, uh, somebody from your league office, and tell him the reason that he's not going to play, not have to have his position coach and his head coach go in and tell him, hey, you're not playing this season. Um, he was away from the team. Uh, actually left the facility on Thursday after he was told about that. Uh, did not practice with the team. Did not participate on Friday with the team uh, in uh, their walkthrough. Um, and, you know, eventually was back with the team on Saturday for the game. Uh, that was a big reason why Mac Brown said that he made him an honorary captain, uh, which I thought was a great move. They have the decals on the helmets as well. But uh, the thought is that this meeting, you know, if you're calling something this serious, and especially when, you know, this was supposed to be open to the public, it was open for about the first uh, 15, 20 minutes or so, the opening statements, and then they closed it off. Uh, they made it a closed session. 
really makes you think that they could be looking to take legal action with this, which was something that Mac Brown sort of hinted at uh, when talking last week. So uh, it's not really that shocking. And honestly, it's probably the right thing to do for Carolina if they feel like uh, they've got an avenue to help the kid out. Because as we've seen, you know, from not only Tar Heel fans, but people around the, you know, college football world, people around the sports world have really been reacting to this uh, and talking about just how unfair it is. So hopefully something can be done for him. Uh, and hopefully, you know, the, the, of course, the, the thing that we're worried about the most is him himself going through a difficult time. Already a guy that, you know, was dealing with some mental health issues when he was at Kent State. Uh, I was documented. That was another thing that went into, you know, the frustrations with him not getting approved at Carolina. Um, you know, but he, hopefully, you know, he's, he's in a pretty good mental spot because, uh, again, I, I've said it multiple times on here before. I told you guys last year about the struggles that I had been going through. You know, we've we've all, you know, for, for the most part, most of us had had to deal with this at some point in our lives. Some people, you know, you're going through it probably now. Um and, you know, you hope that uh, he, you know, is, is, is in a good spot and that if not, he, he is receiving uh, the help that he needs to. Meanwhile, on the injury front for Carolina, mentioned British Brooks, who was out for the game on Saturday. The expectation is that he is going to be back for this week's game against Minnesota. They do expect him to practice as well during this week. Same thing with Ed Montalus, who missed the game the other day, although – Got to be honest with you with the offensive line, which we didn't mention a whole lot about the offensive line had a pretty solid day for itself. Um, they started Diego Pounds at left tackle. I thought he was outstanding in uh, run blocking scenarios the entire game. They ran to the left side a lot behind Willie Lampton, who had another really good game for Carolina. And that allowed him to move William Barnes back to right guard, which I think is the spot that fits him a lot better. So I think uh, there, there's no doubt that uh, this is something that, you know, for Ed Montalist is probably going to be looked at when he comes back as, as a rotational guy um, that'll, you know, give him some depth at that guard spot. And I think that's probably uh, the role that fits him best moving forward this season. Nate McCullum, Mac Brown pretty much confirmed he is a full go for the next game. Uh, Carolina, I guess, was just kind of trying to work him back up and, I really, honestly, I think they feel like, especially with Kobe Pesor there, they don't need to rush things with McCollum. It makes a lot of sense why they decided to hold off on that one. Uh, and then with John Copenhaver, uh, didn't really address anything there. Uh, I know that with the club on his right hand, uh, he, he was not uh, someone that was used in the passing game a whole lot at all. I think he was actually in there a couple of times to pass protect, but that was really it. Uh, there was no update on him. The hope is that soon, though, he will be able to get out of that club. Um, you know, and typically with those, you'll see guys wear him about a week or two. Uh, Carolina desperately needs it, as we mentioned. They're still looking for other guys that can step up in that receiving game. And last thing we'll tell you about before we get out of here, Carolina – uh, the game against Pittsburgh, that start time was officially announced. Uh, it is going to be an 8 p.m. kickoff on the road against the Pitt Panthers. Uh, not shocking. This is the fifth straight time that the Tar Heels have traveled to Pittsburgh and will play a night game. The fourth straight time overall that the Tar Heels will face the Panthers at night. Uh, and Carolina hoping that this one will go uh, very similar to the matchup that they saw a year ago against the Panthers in Chapel Hill at night. Uh, outside of that, when they've gone there, 
typically at night under Larry Fedora, they were very good. Under Mac Brown, they have not been so good. So hopefully Carolina can turn that luck around a little bit when they take on the Pitt Panthers. A couple other uh, things uh, on uh, games that will be later in the season. I uh, wanted to mention this. We saw it towards the end here. Syracuse, Miami games uh, closing in on a sellout for both of those games. Less than 300 tickets available. So if you are wanting to go to those Make sure you get your tickets now. And who wouldn't want to go to those games considering that the U is apparently officially back? So, uh, you know, make, make sure that you guys are checking out all that. And make sure you're also, while you're going and getting your tickets for those games, you're then heading over to the Heel Tough Blog website, heeltoughblog.com, checking out uh, everything that we got up there for you guys. The recap of this week's game where I give you my five takeaways from what we saw against uh, App State. Uh, the stock report. Not really sure where that's at. Uh, is that in the word? Um, it'll be on the site. What's up? It'll be on the site by Tuesday. There you go. There you go. Uh, and we also have Mac Brown. He met with the uh, media as well on Monday. I do have an update on those injuries where I go a little bit more in depth than I just was there for you guys. And also, uh, we will have some uh, press conference takeaways from Mac Brown. Uh, after he spoke, as well as the coordinators earlier today. So make sure that you guys are checking out all of that. Uh, and once again, we want to thank you guys for uh, everything uh, that you have uh, been doing here for us as we've gotten the video side of this started back up again. Uh, the videos are a freaking hit with you guys so far. The first one, 671 views when I checked it earlier today. The second one, uh, over a thousand, one and a half, uh, about one and a half. So uh, just tremendous uh, from you guys. Really uh, appreciate everybody that has been tuning in. And then, of course, uh, the instant reaction videos have just taken off. Uh, two, uh, two, uh, about 2,500 watched the first one uh, against South Carolina. Uh, the one uh, for the App State game I know was about at 1,700 when I last checked it. So I love that you guys are eating those up. I think that's a fun way to interact with you guys after the game, and especially since we're going to be driving uh, back from a lot of these games. It, I think that's kind of the best way to give you sort of our instant reactions after we come out of the stand. So uh, we're glad that you guys are enjoying all the content that we're putting up across the Heel Tough blog platform. So that's going to wrap it up for this edition of the podcast. I want to thank you guys for uh, watching and listening to those who are listening back on the podcast. I want to thank Josh Rose for with me. And as always, go Target. Thank you guys for listening to this edition of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. If you could, make sure you head over to wherever you listen to your podcast, find out where you can rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast, and go ahead and do that for us. The rating and reviewing, that helps us to move up some of those rankings, and the subscribing, that is for you, so you don't miss any editions of the podcast coming up. We look forward to you being a part of the Heel Tough Blog podcast family moving forward, and thank you once again for listening to this edition.